everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. It's been a while. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me, as always, is our friend from up north, who's lucky to not live in the United States right now, Connor Donald. Connor, did you satisfy your girlfriend with um, dinner? I know she's, you know, she's eating for two right now. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, we're, we're all good to go. That's why I was lucky enough to skip away now. So <laughs> we're all good, and then things things are good up here. Just had a diaper party this weekend and baby shower, so we got like stuff oozing out of the how walls, close? baby if stuff. Mind, if you don't mind me asking, how close is she? August 29th is the wow. date, so we're like six weeks out. Oh man, a month and a half out. Wow. I'm hoping man. he gets to enjoy the for week one Eagles game with me. <laughs> on uh, on that first Sunday there. So well, let's hope there is a week one, but let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles week one opponent, the Washington blanks. We don't know who the heck the Eagles are facing and in terms of, uh, of a mascot as uh, Mr. Never o'clock, Daniel Snyder finally gave into pressure after, you know, his home FedEx, um, the, the name of his home stadium. They told him you need to, Change the name or we're pulling out. That's over $200 million that you're not going to get. Um, plus, th- some of his minor- minority owners wanted to sell their portion, their stake in the team. Um, so he finally gave in. They retired the Redskins name and logo. But they haven't been able to announce one, which this is the funny part. Somebody went and trademarked all the possibilities of what the Washington franchise could be called. And, it's, I mean... If you think about it, it's smart because now Daniel Snyder is going to have to pay for whatever the team name is uh, that, that he's looking for. But what are your thoughts on the situation and why it took so long for Daniel Snyder to, to finally make this move? Well, first of all, to, to comment on on the, the guy who bought all the trademarks, that, that's the biggest money. Like, How poor can you be? That you need, that you just think this is a great idea. Let me trademark every team name that Washington could become and make them pay for it. It is funny because it's happening to our, you know, our rivals, division rivals. So it's it's pretty funny in that sense. But I mean, kind of desperate times, desperate measures type situation there. But it is funny. It is truly like that man. I would never have thought of that. Honestly, I never would have thought of that. But. for me, the, like you, you alluded to, this was all about financial pressures. When Schneider, when Snyder bought the team back in 99, he told, said he would never change the team name. He basically said he felt there was nothing that he felt there there was nothing wrong with the team name, that it was a historic thing that, you know, it's something that has to stay with the team, that if you change the team name, you're changing the franchise and stuff. Um, so why did it take so long? Because Dan Snyder is a, a complete moron. He's an idiot. He had took him this long because the political views have shifted so much. They were shifting in 2000. They were shifting in 1999 when he bought the team. But everything has shifted so much in the last. I'm going to say since Donald Trump became president, everything has shifted so much politically, Mm -hmm. so much from a racism perspective, a, a, a political everything perspective. Everything has shifted so much in the last four years, like beyond any other four years since 1999, that I think now people have started to say, all right, the Redskins name is offensive. Um, I honestly am surprised the Cleveland Indians aren't changing their name. I get not as offensive, but still, nonetheless. I mean, you have the um, Atlanta Braves, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, the Florida State Seminole. Like, there are a bunch of, of names out there that 
you you would think that there would be talk about possibly changing. And when you think about it, when it comes to to, to Washington, they want to move. So their their home stadium right now is in Landover, Maryland. They want to actually move into D.C. They're thinking about the RFK site, but there's talk that if they didn't change the name, they weren't going to get that site. So all this pressure being put on Daniel Snyder and the organization, like you're right, this should have been done a long time ago. And it is about time. Now, a lot of people are going to go out there and say that, that like we're becoming a soft society and he shouldn't have caved into pressure. Well, like you have to realize things change in the world. And like you mentioned, the pressure that's being put on, whether it's political, um, you know, with, with all the, the, the movements that are being brought on in, in the world that we live in today, or at least in America, like, you have to realize that sometimes you just have to make a change. And, and if you think about it financially, you're going to have brand new jerseys with a brand new name. So what does that mean? Your fans, if you have any, are going to go out and buy this new, this, a new jersey, a new hoodie, uh, you know, new blankets that have Washington, whatever their franchise is going to be. Um, you know, Dar- I think it was Daryl Green said that he would be willing to get rid of all his Redskins stuff and he will love whatever the new team name is going to be. He wants his number and his name on jerseys and, and, and whatnot with the new team name. Like, so you have to mm-hmm. think about it in that aspect. He has a chance to make way more money on that, on that side of it. When, when people, a bunch of people are going to go out there and they're going to buy Washington, whatever, Washington Warriors, Washington Red Tails, Washington, whatever their name is going to be. You're going to get so many people in that area, whoever may be, you know, Washington fans, the Kevin Durant of the world. Well, he, I shouldn't say that because he's a he's a bajillionaire athlete. But you know what I'm talking about. When, when you have all mm. these fans that are going to come to the stadium wanting to buy the new jersey um, with the new team name. And you, can, and you set it up. If they're smart, once they pick the team name, once they get the jersey design, you – you send it out season ticket holders. You send it out to, to different organizations in the area to, to promote your team. You want your team to be seen. You want your team to be known. You want to, you want to become part of the community. And I'm not saying Daniel Snyder is smart enough and is actually going to do it, but that's what you want to do. You want to bring the community together and be like, look, we're making a change and we're doing it for the better. And don't think of it as a negative. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, and I've listened to some talk radio recently that said, like, make this a good thing. Like, everything, like, the this, the original statement made by the team saying that they're going to change the name, it didn't, it just didn't feel like a heartfelt statement. It didn't feel like they wanted to make this change. It didn't feel like there, there was no need for an investigation. It was just them saying, all right, we have to do this. And people coming to Shire saying, we have to do this. We got to do this. The time is now. And, or else we're going to lose all our sponsors. We're going to lose everything. We're not even going to have a team. Um, so at the end of the day, I've and listened to a lot of radio and stuff. That people are saying, make this a positive change. Donate some money to to some of these like I don't like I don't like Indian type supporting support groups and stuff like any type of fundraising make this a positive change take like you know like 25 percent of your 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 new jersey sales for the first little bit and donate it do things make this a positive change put yourself out there in society make it so that you know this is a positive thing the redskins are yes the redskins are gone but washington the team 
the team that they built built that revered history is still here and this is what we're doing to be that team and whether Snyder does it or not that's the big thing he can make this change what he wants to make it and at this point he's making it something like his hand's been forced it's financial it has nothing to do with what he actually believes and what he actually thinks and that he thinks this is right and I also think that it helps that you know Ron Rivera now being the head coach like he's not a Mm. pushover he's not a yes man like Jay Gruden was um Steve Spurrier kind of like some of the previous head coaches that were with Washington you know Rivera has stated you know recently that he's glad that the the name is being changed he wants he wanted the name before the before it was announced that it was retired um a couple days ago he is he had announced that or he had stated that like he wanted it before the season started you know, their first game is a home game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, you want people coming to FedEx Field. You want your Washington Granite. We're in a different time because who knows if fans are going to be in the stadium. But, uh, but like, you want the the, the 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 stadium to be rocking. You don't want that that Redskin logo. You you want the new logo. Um, they're going to keep the same color scheme. But like, you want to just see the new. You want to kind of have a, a feel of freshness. You want you want to to show that, look, we are making a change and we are looking to the future. This is a team that hasn't been good um, lately. And maybe that this is something that can put a breath of fresh air for them um, and that community and that fan base and that franchise. And maybe that they could take a step forward when it comes to the results on the field. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Like, I think Ron Rivera was someone who was probably at the forefront of saying, who coming to Dan Snyder and saying, like, listen, this has to happen. And I I doubt he was one to threaten, I'm leaving. But he was probably one that was there saying, I will help you. I will support you. We can make this a positive change. We can do good in this name change. Whereas it just feels like he thinks that the Redskins and the legacy that's been left behind is going to be forgotten. But that's not true. It's all in how you make it. It's all in how you do it. It's all in how you make you shift to the new name and stuff. So, I mean, this can be a positive thing. And I think it will be a positive thing. In this society, doing a name change like this is nothing but positive. For, for for the Washington organization and he just has to make it that way. He, has, he has to, to make- stop stop living in that nineteen ninety nine statement where he said, I will not change this name. We're not in the nineties anymore. We are in the twenty twenties and society has stepped leaps and bounds. Are we still we're still not perfect? We're still not there yet. There's still lots to be done. But we have stepped leaps and bounds from what we were in nineteen ninety nine. Definitely. And he has to be smart about it. I mean the fact that a bunch of the names that he possibly could have won are copyrighted right now or being trademarked, I should say, um, or being held up in that process, um, you know, it, it sucks for him and, and for, for what he was looking to do because maybe he wanted to do it all one swift, look, we're retiring, the Redskins name and logo, and this is what we're going to be. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. It's going to probably cost him some money, um, but this is something that definitely should have been done a while ago. But while we're at it, yeah, we're Eagles fans, but – Throw out, let's throw out a couple names where we think that the Washington franchise will be called. You can give some funny ones, you can give some serious ones, but what are some, what are some of the names that you think um, Daniel Snyder and that Washington organization are contemplating who, who the Philadelphia Eagles will be playing in week one? The Washington who? 
I'm going. I I love. I didn't think of funny ones, but man, I listen. The red tail. I think the red tails is stupid. I laughed so hard when I heard that. I think that's the stupidest name. But I'm going warriors or generals. I like the warriors. I like the generals name. I think generals really speaks to you know the fact that you're in Washington. The the military that's all around you. You got the leader of your nation. Love him or hate him. He's there. He's like the leader of your army to your military. He dictates what the military does. So like knowing that the generals would be a really good. And the Warriors just sounds like a really good one because it's a nice, it's a much smoother transition, I think, in a way from, you know, Redskins or this look you know, at you, Indians into this name. You think they want to keep it as an R so they can keep their hashtag HTTR? Um, or they, you think they want to do away with that? Hail to the... It was hail to the Redskins. If it's if it's hail to the Red Tails, I'm gonna laugh every time I have to talk about it. That's <laughs> they, they, it's different. I think they're gonna end up having to change your hashtag yeah. too. So let's just, just be serious. All right, so I've I've a funny one. They can be called the Washington Basement Dwellers because you know they're pretty much living in the basement. Them are the Giants. No, but what about do you remember the movie The Replacements, the Washington Sentinels? <laughs> that that could work too. Yo, that could that. work too. Um, there's a lot the, that they could go like with. The Washington listen. Red Wolves. I thought like that that was kind of cool, um, like looking at different designs and, and whatnot that that they could um, go off of that. I just don't know like I know that sports franchises in in other leagues have kind of the same names, but you have the Golden State Warriors. I didn't know if you wanted to have two like another warrior name. Um, I do like the general. I think if I were to pick between those two, I'd pick the generals. I think they that the generals. Was fit. it the Washington Generals, the team that the uh, Harlem Globetrotters always beat up on? Yes, it was. But I mean, at the end of the, but, but I mean, see, it fits. It kind of fits because the NFC East beats up on the Washington, whatever they are, year That's over true. year too. But I just think like it fits. It fits the area. You kind of got to think of the area. You kind of got to yeah, think of what's around you and, and not necessarily keep red just because of the colors or whatever. It doesn't matter. You can do some really good color scheming with the generals. Yeah, we, we, they are keeping the um, burgundy and, and um, burgundy and gold color scheme. So I'm sure that they can come up with something, and I'm sure we'll hear about it soon. Um, with the season just under two months away, um, hopefully, hopefully the season's just under two months away. Um, we'll, we'll get to see what see what FedEx Field is going to look like. Well, when the Washington whoever's come out come out of the the tunnel. Now mm-hmm. we, we mentioned fans in the stands um that's an iffy thing right now obviously with what's going on with the coronavirus and you know this week philadelphia put some contradictory statements out at first it was you know there's going to be no fans at i'm just going to stick to sports i'm not going to talk about you know other portions of society but like the phillies and eagles will not be playing in front of fans i think we're safe to say that the phillies will not be playing in front of Mm -hmm. in front of fans um at all the Eagles are a different story. You know, Jeffrey Lurie and, and the organization was upset when that came out. And then apparently something came out today um, saying that the, the Eagles would be able to go based off the guidelines of, you know, what the NFL is going to determine and kind of what is – you kind of have to play it by ear. If 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 um, cases are rising at a, at a steady rate, you're not going to have anybody come to the games. But if we're leveling out, then there's the possibility of them having – fans in the in the stadium it's not going to be 100 percent capacity my, mm-hmm. my thing is it has to be a status quo around the entire nfl you know the the the, the dallas cowboys shouldn't be able to have a, a 30 35 percent of their stadium full if the eagles or giants 
aren't going to be able to have fans in the stands. I think that if if there's going to be one team in the league that cannot have fans in the stands, the entire league should not be able to have fans in the stands. That's just me. I, I know that like you should be able to go off of what your state is saying, but I think that there needs to be a an even playing field when it comes to you know when the Eagles are playing at home and we know what the home field advantage is like in Philly. Nobody likes to come to Philly because of the fans, but like when you when Saint, um, the LA Rams come week two, you know Jared Goff's not going to have to to worry about the fan base. But when the Eagles go to Dallas week whatever and they have fans in the stands, you know I feel like that there is an uneven playing field. There's a there's a disadvantage there for certain teams around the league. I don't know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like, I mean, so I get I give a Canadian perspective. So this is super different because our perspectives are so different. You can look at Florida and you can look at Texas, and it seems like they don't give a shit about human life or any regard for human life whatsoever. I think it came out that the Cowboys won and put what fifty thousand fans or sixty thousand fans in the stadium, which is almost the capacity. I think it holds eighty some thousand. No, they hold a hundred thousand at their new stadium. So you're looking at like a fifty sixty percent capacity mm-hmm. which is still a ridiculous capacity no matter what if you're putting butts in seats there has to be waivers signed there has to be masks worn there has to be protocols in place to keep not only like you have to think there's going to be media there there's going to be employees there there's going to be fans there there's going to be players there and you don't know where they're going to interact when they're going to interact and what's going to happen you have to make sure like you look at hockey you look at basketball and they're completely bubbled off from society right now and they're trying to make sure that you know you, you you stay you stay where you are and we're keeping you healthy and we're trying to keep you safe and testing every single day of employees etc cetera, etc cetera. i think that the nfl is kind of getting away from that they're kind of open to this idea of well you you can have however many fans you want you can do this you can do that it does they don't want to create any sort of bubble they don't want to create anything that really makes it a safe environment for the fans the players the employees it doesn't feel like that right now from an NFL perspective. They want to get a season going, and they're fine with a four, four, like 20%, 25% capacity uh, butts in the seats. Um, but I do, th- I do agree with you in, in regards to the NFL needs to step up, and the NFL needs to say something in regards to we want some sort of uniformity. Everywhere's has a waiver signed because we're not going to pay, we're not going to take on lawsuits. Everyone's wearing masks because we want people safe. We want any type of interaction to be as safe as we can humanly possible make it. There has to be a set, I agree, 20-25% across the league. If it's 20%, that's fine. I know some stadiums will be 15,000, some will be 10, some will be based on capacity. It's fine. But as long as you have some sort of uniformity across the league, I think that's definitely what has to happen. And, I mean, in Canada, we've kind of had that uniformity across provinces in agreeing that no we're not going to move across province lines if you're going to move across province lines you have to self-isolate for 15 14 days and be tested near the end of it and that type of stuff and i think that it's important that yet that uniformity has to come from the nfl because that uniformity has come from other leagues like mls nhl mlb um nba but that uniformity is definitely not there in the nfl yeah and Hopefully it is. And it's a, it's harder for the NFL to be put into a bubble because the rosters are bigger. Um, and it's so hard. Like, so th- what the NBA is doing in Orlando and being in Orlando is crazy because of, of the numbers that Florida has, has been reporting lately. 
But, you know, they can have four, five, six basketball courts in, in a given, you know, location. Football stadium, it's hard to have a football stadium which you have to have the be able to, you know, have stands for or have suites where or coaching boxes for the coaches, like because of the, the number of coaches that each staff has, and and some are up on in the box and some are on. Like it's so hard to have a football field, multiple football fields in any given vicinity, to to where you'd be able to put entire teams in the bubble. It's just, it's, it's just so hard to do that and like obviously everybody wants the 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 amount of cases to drop and all that but like you mentioned on the outset florida texas they don't give a shit they don't care they're just doing what they do and 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 just hoping it goes away just like trump keeps saying you know back when there was 15 cases he was like oh it'll be zero in no time and we're at about 140 deaths 140,000 deaths in america so i don't know what is going to come of it? I just know, like, I, I've said this before. I, I've been fine without baseball, hockey, and basketball. Like, I've found other things to do. But when it comes to football, I'm already going to miss out on college football. Like, there are certain – so in this – the college that I went to is a Division two school. That conference canceled all fall, all fall sports. So there's no mm-hmm. – like, I'm, I'm not able to go back to my alma mater for homecoming for, fo- for a football game. Because there's no, they're, they're they're hoping to move it to the spring, but that's different. Like football is going to be totally different than football. Um, if you look at the Division One level, the the Pac-12 is going to all conference games. The Big Ten going to all conference games. Um, who knows if that's going to even be be liable? Like, are they going to even be able to play games? So mm-hmm. it's just. When you when you when you take a step back and you look at the the landscape of what's going on in the world and 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 how the coronavirus is affecting everything, you just wish people were smart enough. Wear a damn mask. Um, wash your hands. Just don't be stupid. And we can get out of this. And we could be like Europe, or we could be like other countries that are starting to open th- open things back up. But no, Americans think that they're you know invincible and can get away with anything when obviously we can't. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, listen, it it sucked up here in Canada. We were essentially in my province. We had about six weeks where literally everything was shut down. We need we had this bar to meet. It needed to be a week consecutive of no cases. And then we started a phase. And as soon as you had three consecutive days of accelerating cases, so that would be like one, then you have five, then you have 10, then suddenly we'd relegate a level in in the phase and stuff. And so at the end of the day, it sucked. It was six long weeks. Listen, I still got to go out and work. I am an essential worker. I apparently co- pro- providing Coca-Cola and beverages is essential work. So <laughs> at the end of the day, I was still out there and working, but it sucked. It was hard. And we moved into bubble families of two. Then you got to move into bubble families of of 10. And then you got like it, it was ridiculous. It was crazy. It was, I'm not going to call it ridiculous because look where we are in Canada now. Um 
but at the end of the day it it's a lot of work but if you do it right the first time you shouldn't have to go backwards and you shouldn't have to relegate backwards like some states have actually done i've heard of some states who are going backwards and i think it causes even worse damage to the economy if you do a second shutdown type thing like some some states have been forced to do be and a lot of a lot of work like a lot of small businesses in our area said if it shut down a second time i wouldn't make the i wouldn't make it my business would be closed it's done it's over so i mean i think it's important that you have to get it right the first time and and some countries have gotten it right and some countries just haven't gotten it right or just aren't realizing what is right to do and it hurts the economy it costs a lot of money but at the end of the day it's your dollars, it's your tax dollars going towards helping the economy, towards boosting the economy. We in Canada, you know, it, it's really funny, I think, because when you look at it, the support that the states has given, I think it was like $1,200 and there might have yeah. been some other financial supports. We, no, us blue collar workers got 1200 The millionaires got bill, million, millions of dollars. It made zero sense. So, so in Canada, we got $2,000 a week for- what? up to you could go up to two months i believe it was two months that you could go so we were getting good money and and like they were helping small businesses they weren't necessarily helping they were probably helping out millionaires in the big companies but not like to the extent of maybe the united states so it's it's crazy i get it you know it's crazy to think about but you know you got to get it right you got to do it right and you know what as much as i want football if i get football and uh, listen, maybe it's different for me because I don't get to go to the link and everything. But if I can have football and the stadiums are empty, but I'm watching it on TV and it's still happening, I'm good with that. I can live with that. But I understand the impact on the team, the impact on the players, and it just changes the entire landscape of how a game is played without those fans there. And like like you said, how important those fans are for the Eagles and like having the F word throwing at you constantly and being called these and probably these ridiculous names. Um that's intimidating that's scary and they're like 10 feet away from you in the stand screaming at you so i get that impact on the game but if it means that we get the game and that's how we have to get the game then listen there's no fans in seats i'm sorry and i'm okay with that and i can live with that i agree and and just hope we can be smart enough and and get this under control to where come next year we're not sitting here talking about this same thing because if we're talking about this again in a year from now as we're getting preparing for the 2021 season, there is something really wrong and, and whatnot. I know that there could, there might not be a vaccine for another couple months, maybe even for another year. Who knows? But you just got to be smart. You got to be smart about it. And and I know people, especially Americans, think, as I mentioned before, think they're invincible, think that they can overcome anything. But, you know, when, when I'm reading that there, there are parties being held, COVID parties being held just to see who can be the first to get it, and if you get it, if you're the first to get it, you get money. Like, seriously? Like, that should not be happening. It's just frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. Um, but hopefully th- things uh, turn around. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles roster. First, before, so a couple weeks back, we, we did the offense. Um, we are going to talk about the defense. But first, let's talk about the re-signing of Jason Peters. Earlier this week, Brian Baldinger put out mm-hmm. a tweet. 
He said that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to make a big move that's going to make them really better in the middle of July. Does Jason Peters constitute a big move that makes them really better in the middle of July? 100%. Given the situation of Brandon Brooks, you're looking at a guy like I get he's moving from the left side to the right side. He's going to take over the right guard spot of Brandon Brooks. That's a hundred. I'm not worried about that at all. Me, the same, same. I'm not worried about that at all. Three million guaranteed, six million total potential dollars in this deal. It is an amazing deal. Does it make our offensive line better? 100%. First of all, this was the best case scenario, best case situation that I put out in the last episode when we were talking. I said, I think this is a move that has to be made. Let Andre Dillard play. And now look at that right side. Jason Kelsey, Jason Peters, and and then Lane Johnson. Oh, oh man, that go, good luck on that right side and good luck on that left side because that left side has equal skill. We were the best offensive line in the league last year and I think we remained the best offensive line this year and Jason Peters made it that way. It so, had to happen that way. Yeah, I mean, so we both had the, I, I, I know I did, I'm pretty sure you did, we both had the Eagles bringing Jason Peters back. And I also I also like it because it's, and it's, it's an insurance policy. If Andre Diller, he's going to be the starting left ta- tackle. But if this dude struggles week one, week two, week three, you have Jason Peters. You can throw Peters over there, put Matt Pryor at right guard, and your offensive line is still pretty decent. So mm-hmm. I like it. And I like it in that terms. But when I saw the tweet and he said that it was going to be a substantial move, mm-hmm. I was expecting a Jadavion Clowney a trade for maybe a Jamal Adams for Yannick and Gakwe, um, maybe bringing in bringing in a um, a running back, I don't know, but I, I, I'm not saying I don't like the Jason Peters bring, bringing him back, as I do, but I don't consider that a game-changing, you know, it, move. I don't consider that a move that Vegas is say they have the Eagles, you know, penciled in at nine wins. I don't see bringing in Jason Peters and you out, you move him up to ten. Like I don't see that being that type of move. And again, I'm with you. I like it because it solidifies the offensive line. We knew we had once Brandon Brooks got hurt. You knew while Matt Pryor played well in in instances last year, you knew that there was a hole there. You knew that you needed help. Whether you were going to bring in Larry Warford, who's, who's going to command a lot of money, or you were going to trade for Joe Tooney with the Patriots, who was definitely going to command a lot of money. You knew that they were going to try to make, a, you know, a, bring somebody in that can compete with Matt Pryor. But Jason Peters isn't competing. Like you're giving him the job. I think um, this was a I think this was a more of a rich get richer move than a game changing move. But at the end of the day, when 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 Baldy put out that tweet, I sat back, I thought about the situation. We need this cap to roll over. I know that some people are like, well, you just kick the can down the road. You keep restructuring deal. That's why we are where we are. That's why we're minus fifty million dollars in the whole next year. Because we keep kicking the can down the road, and you just can't keep doing that. And if you bring in a guy like Jadavian Clowney, who command well could command at least ten million dollars, he's getting ten million guaranteed, and that's ten million out of twenty-five million that we need. This three million is three million guaranteed, and then a lot of incentives, and then the incentives would be kicked down the road to the next year of contracts, which is fine. But at the end of the day, we need a lot of this money to go down the road. So at this point right now, we're looking at what twenty million dollars being rolled over into next year. So that makes us thirty million dollars well, in the hole well, or somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, where our number is now doesn't even include most of the draft class being signed though. So that's going to be mm-hmm. lower. 
Exactly. So it, I think that it, it's a big thing. We have the draft pool there, but I, the draft pool, it's never necessarily exactly right on like the different monies go different places. So listen, at the end of the day, so how he's smart, how he has to get us out of cap hell. And if he just keeps restructuring deals, restructuring deals, pushing them down the road, putting all these voided years, we're always going to have dead money. We're always going to be in cap hell. And how he's smart with the cap. He's going to make smart decisions. He's going to make wise decisions. At this point for the Eagles, I don't think there's that humongous game change and move that can be made. We're already being called like the rich. We are a good team. We are a strong team. We are a team who has proven we can compete in the NFC. And well, I mean, we can compete against almost anybody. The game-changing move would be a Clowney or an Gawkway. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But like, if you were to bring one of those two guys in, two young defensive ends um, who can wreck havoc off the edge – and when you compare them with a Fletcher Cox and a Hargrave and, and Jackson in the middle, like that's where a game, a game changer changing move would be. And they're not going to do it. And I get it because the salary cap situation and unless Clowney comes way down on his, you know, on what he wants, unless he wants to play on a one year prove it deal like Alshon did back in 2017, they're not going to bring him in and, and they're going to live with what they have unless you know, when camp starts and hopefully it starts in two weeks and they have a big time injury because he's not going to sign until that, near the end of camp, which is also another thing, because if you bring him in and it's not towards the end of camp, what kind of shape is he in? Um, is he going to have to learn? I mean, he's a defensive end. You tell him, dude, pin your ear back, pin your ears back go, to, go after the quarterback. So learning the playbook isn't going to be too difficult for him because of the position that he plays. Mm-hmm. But he just ha- you know, you just have to worry about the shape he's in. A lot of people aren't a lot of teams aren't you know signing him because they want to bring him in they want to give him a physical they want to see what type of you know where he's at you know physically mentally and all that um so it'll it'll be interesting like i do like the way that the eagles are built right now you know are they the most talented team in the division probably not but last year they weren't either and we saw what happened at the end of the year with all which a bunch with a bunch of practice squad guys playing on offense so Mm-hmm. I think, and again, I mentioned it before. The one thing that the Eagles have going for them is consistency at the, in the coaching staff. You know, when it comes to schemes, when it comes, you know, to the general manager, to the, like when when you have all the general, the owner, the general manager, and the head coach, and majority of the coaching staff. When you have all that coming back, especially in the time and with what's going on in the world right now with the coronavirus, that's where the Eagles have the heads up over Dallas, Washington, and New York. They all have yeah, to learn like- new schemes. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. Like it's a hundred percent. The thing with this team that people don't realize that is the importance of consistency and the importance of the culture that Doug Peterson has built that this, this, we talk about it almost every single year. And it sounds like it's coming right out of like a Madden video game, but the next man up mentality that Philadelphia has, it feels like every person on the roster is treated the same, given the same opportunity. And when they're given the opportunity to take on that starting role, they take full advantage of that. It's always next man up. And that mentality and that culture that's been built by Peterson about next man up and be prepared because you never know when you might be the one to step up, I think has been humongous for the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's been humongous for for where we've gotten that, the Super Bowl year with all the injuries, every year with all the injuries that we have, everything going on. It's so important what Doug Peterson has done and the culture that's been built and just always having this mentality of I could be given my chance tomorrow. Someone could go down and I could be that next man up kind of thing. And like you said, are we the most talented? No, but I would say that we got depth. 
you look at our defensive end position, are we like, are we the best ends? Maybe not, but Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, uh, Sharif Miller, who's kind of working on his craft, you know, starting to adjust to the NFL life. And then Josh Sweat, like it's, it may, it might be deep. Like last year we talked about the cornerback position. I know we're going to move into the defensive depth chair next, but look at that. We said we have quantity over quality this year. We have Darius Slay and now it's like, oh shit, what do we do with all this quantity? Who's going to be that CB2? Who's going to be the nickel corner? Who's going to be? So now we suddenly are like, oh wow, that quantity just turned into potential quality because we finally filled the one void that that quantity wasn't filling, which was the CB1 with Darius Slay. So for me, that's the the culture has been humongous and that consistency in the culture and everyone coming in and saying, Jason Peters probably could have went out there and got more money than $3 million guaranteed. And at he the end of the day, one, once things opened up, yeah, you just never know what might have happened. And he said, you know what? Brandon Brooks got hurt. I love that culture. I love that coach. I love that. I love my boys. So he's like, I'm going to take some, I'm going to help them save some money for next year because Jason Peters isn't going to play forever. And this very well likely could be his last season. He wants to play till 40, but we'll see if that happens. All right. You mentioned it. We're going to move to the defensive side of the ball. We don't have to do special teams. We know it's Jake Elliott. We know it's Cam Johnson and Rick Lovato as the kicker, punter, and long snapper. They're probably the safest bets uh, other than Carson Wentz and to make the team. All right. So we're going to start with the defensive line. I, I just threw everybody together. I'll go first. You know, the front four starters, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. And I have his name down, and I've had his name down, you know, since we talked about doing – a 53-man roster. I have Clowney down still. While he's out there, and if his price keeps dropping, I'm still saying that he has a chance to come here. He wants to be on a winning team. He's turned down Miami and Cleveland multiple times because he wants to be on a winning team in a great culture like you talked about, and that's it here. And I think this team, uh, you know, even though what he did last year was a cheap shot, this team would welcome him in, welcome him in, welcome him in excuse me, with open arms. The rest of the defensive line, Derek Barnett, Malik Jackson, Josh Wett, Jannard Avery, and Hassan Ridgeway. They're going to go nine deep on the defensive line, and they're going to be able to rotate. There's going to be like that 2017 defensive line where they just rotate it, rotate it, rotate it. Fletcher Cox didn't have to play close to 90% of the snaps. He was able to get a breath, and when they went on that playoff run, he was dominant. And I think that that's exactly what they're going to have again this year. So that's why I have the Eagles have bringing – um, to their 53-man roster on the defensive line. So, I mean, I would love to have Judavian Clarence. Don't get me wrong, but at this point, when you tag on the Jason Peters signing, it's going to have to be a low guarantee. We're talking probably, I'm thinking like five, six million dollars and heavy incentive lease so that they can kick it down the road a little bit and pay those incentives out in the next year. Um, but for me, I got Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, and I got Hassan Ridgeway. Covering on the tackle side of it and on the end side of it, I got Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Jannard Avery, and I got Sharif Miller making the cut because I still think that there's some opportunity there for Sharif Miller. Um, and I still I liked what Hassan Ridgeway brought to the team last year in the next man up mentality. He's just a big boy who can step in for some snaps and can help cover off like Cox and Hargrave because when Cox was at his best, when he was able to be well rested throughout the season. So if you can have those guys who can just plug the lane, 
make them avoid make a team completely avoid the run and give Fletcher Cox say playing you know 70 percent 80 percent of the snaps and then unleash him in the playoffs for 100 percent of the snaps that was when he was at his best especially in that Super Bowl season yep I agree we have everybody the same except you know you have Miller and I have Clowney let's move to the linebackers uh probably the weakest group I think on this team um when you look at every look at everything and the Eagles don't value linebackers for some reason. Who do you have the lineback? Who do you have the Eagles taking into the season at the linebacker position? Well, I got your boy Nate Geary. Um, I also have T.J. Edwards, Chavis Brown, Davian Taylor, and I got Duke Riley as well. Those are those are the uh, five that I have uh, made. Oh, and Alex Singleton. Sorry, just had him down there. Alex Singleton also making the roster. I think there's a lot of potential in some of these guys like T.J. Edwards, Davian Taylor, and Alex Singleton. Um, and so, I mean, it's loaded. It's a, it's a linebacking core that's loaded with potential, but they are all just like athletic linebackers who you need a tackle Unless you're Nate Gary, you you don't want that. But if you need a tackle, they're going to chase him down. They're going to make the tackle. They can. They, some of them are okay in coverage and can do to the do the job on coverage. So those are the ones I've making it because, like you said, they don't value the linebacker position. They just value athletic linebackers who are willing to chase and who are willing to put in the work. They just don't really bring the pressure or bring the heat with the linebackers. And so it's just someone who can play play a little bit of coverage. And someone who can make a tackle when they need to make a tackle. And I think the Eagles are going to play a lot of five man, five men in the secondary. Um, I have actually the same six. T.J. Edwards is going to be a starter. Davius Brown possibly. Duke Riley is going to be the special teams captain. Uh, Alex Singleton, a special teams ace. Davian Taylor is going to start out as a special teams ace. And Nate Gary, unfortunately, because for some reason they like him, even though he is awful, beyond like mm-hmm. terrible. Like he is awful. He shouldn't be on a football field. He's terrible. Like the only one I feel comfortable with is T.J. Edwards. Um, beyond that, it's gonna—it's a lot of—it's um, a lot of ifs and buts, and who knows what—who knows what's gonna happen. But we have the same six. Moving on to the cornerback position, I have the Eagles keeping six. Darius Slay. A lot of people are talking, and Sidney Jones. All right, I got Darius Slay, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, Nicole Roby, Coleman, Rasul Douglas, and Cravon LeBlanc. A lot of people are talking about Avante Maddox is pretty much kind of penciled in as the starter across from Slay. You saw what he did last year when he was a starter. I didn't, when he was on the outside, I don't like Avante Maddox on the outside. I like him as a player. I think he's way better in the slot. I think Sidney Jones is going to be the the starting cornerback across from Darius Slay. And when you have Avante Maddox and the Nikel Roby Coleman, who are two of the better corner or slot corners in the league, like teams are going to go four wide receivers on you, throw those two in the slots and you're, you're set. Um, Craven LeBlanc, it's tough to keep him off the field because he makes, he seems to just make plays for the Eagles. And Rasul mm-hmm. Douglas, I think, should be a safety. Um, I'm still not sold on him as being a cornerback, uh, like you are, because I know you are a huge Rasul, Rasul Douglas fan. But this is probably going to be, I think this is the last year of his contract. This, you know, this is him trying to prove that he can play in the league um, and, and, and have a chance to, to, whether it's a slot or whether it's on the outside, that he can play a lot. But I think this is possibly his last year in Philly. Um, even and there's possibly a chance to take a trade him. We know Joe Douglas likes him up in up in the Jets. Um, so if if the numbers game catches up with him, it wouldn't be shocking if Rasul Douglas were to get traded. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. Of all the play, of all the cornerbacks, that's the one that the Eagles would be most likely to trade, and who they think can bring the most intrinsic value back. Um, we that we have the same guys. I got to say, Nickel Roby Coleman, Craven LeBlanc, Vontae Maddox, Sidney Jones, and with Sewell Douglas. This, with the depth uh, that at the cornerback position, suddenly Rasul Douglas could probably potentially be tested out at the safety position unless there's injuries for, well, as we usually see, there could definitely be injuries. Please don't say it. <laughs> um, there could be. Um, then he can step in if need be. But, um, yeah, for me, I don't think Avante Maddox is, necessar- is necessarily a lock across from Darius Slay either. I love Avante Max. He's feisty. He's athletic. He, he's fast. But man, he, the size, the size is an extremely large disadvantage for him at five foot nine. Um, and whereas Sidney Jones is a bit more size, Sidney Jones has really proven himself at the end. This is where you wish you had training camp. This is where you wish you could see how, mm-hmm. what these guys did in the off season and what they can bring, because now the Eagles are probably going to come down to the the first week one, and they're still going to be tossing up in their mind Devontae Maddox, Sidney Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a near 50-50 split going on between the two for a little while to see who really wants to win out. Nickel Roby Coleman, yeah, there's lots of stats being thrown around on Instagram, on Eagles fan pages, all about how he's one of the top nickel corners in the league. So like you said, that's a tough one. How do you split that between Nickel Roby Coleman, Craven LeBlanc, Avante Maddox, say if you would move a Maddox into the slot, what do you do there? Um I mean, we, we finally have quantity, but we have some quality, too. Darius Slay and Nickel Roby Coleman bring massive quality to this cornerback uh, r- uh, group that has been like an Achilles heel for the last couple of years. So I think that we definitely have kind of kind of addressed that. But now I think we may see the weakness of the linebackers emerge because you've addressed one position. So obviously the weakness of another position is going to rear its ugly head. Yeah, and, and you're right. You know, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, that battle, like this would have been a perfect, you know, camp, one of the top camp, camp um, battles that, that we would have been looking at, you know, every every day we would have been on, on Twitter. I mean, like, all right, who had the better outcome? Who was who was doing what? But unfortunately, unfortunately, there's no, uh, we're not going to get to see it because while they did cut, they cut the preseason in half. They're probably going to get rid of those two games, too, to cut down on travel um as much as as much as they can so it, it this is where training camp is definitely a abbreviated i should say training camp it is going to hopefully help some, some of these players but like, it's so hard like i see videos and you're following sydney jones on, on instagram and whatnot and following avante maddox and and Rasul and and rodney mcleod like following all these guys on, on social media you can see they're working but when you're working not in a football atmosphere like it's totally different the, the type of atmosphere that that when you're in, in a training camp being in football shape is totally different than just being in regular shape so that, that that's uh, you're right it hurts the cornerback position i think more than any other position in terms of not being able, able to to go out there and, and battle let's move to the safety position who do you got the eagles keeping at safety um, the safety position seems to be one of the easier ones to, to have picked uh, you got rodney mcleod jalen mills uh, Kevon Wallace, who's already become a massive fan favorite, yep. Will Parks, 
And that is who I have us keeping. I have us keeping one, two, three, four. So I have us keeping four. But like I said, with the depth that we have at the cornerback position, you could see like Avante Maddox maybe rolled out to safety. Sometimes you could see Russell Douglas potentially rolled out to safety because Avante Maddox is that sure thing tackler. Russell Douglas is that guy who, if given time and sees a play and evaluates a play, he'll make that tackle. He'll make that play for you. But he's just not that one who could inst- necessarily instinctively be there in the man-to-man coverage. But when put in a box to evaluate you might have a better opportunity with them um but i mean i think it's an actually a fairly strong safety group jalen mills was a, was a decent cornerback for us so you like what he can bring if he's forced to cover maybe a tight end you like what he can bring in the thought that he can play man he can play zone he can play in that box we know what rodney mcleod can bring we know what will parks can bring will parks we expect to kind of be the 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 uh, you know dollar store version of of Ma- Malcolm Jenkins uh-huh. and then you got Kevon Wallace who's an athletic freak who was one probably one of the biggest steals in the draft on the defensive side of the ball um, who pro- who may even be able to step in on the Malcolm role him and Parks can probably share that role. Yeah, I agree. I have the same four: McLeod, Mills, Wallace, and Parks. And you know this is where we could see we know that the Eagles aren't going to play three linebackers. They're going to play two linebackers most of the time, and sometimes maybe even one. Um, and we know that McLeod and Mills are going to be out there. You can see a Will, Par- the Will Parks or Kevon Wallace being that third safety out there uh, playing the, the, the Malcolm Jenkins role. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be – or de- it's it's kind of what, what they have to do. They don't have three linebackers you can put on the field. It's, they just don't. Um, so you, And depending on what happens at the cornerback position, you mentioned that we have the qual- – we kind of have the quality now. If – you know, Jones and Maddox struggle on the outside. Maybe they put Mills back to corner and bring a Maddox back to safety. Or if if Kavon Wallace picks up picks up the defense quickly and shows that he can play at the, the professional level and the second corner is struggling, you maybe put Mills back to So they have that flexibility within the cornerback and safety position where the where the Eagles are able, you know, Jim Schwartz is able to m- maybe make do different coverages, possibly blitz a little bit more. Now that he has that legit number one cornerback, somebody that can go out there and possibly shut down an, an Amari Cooper, you know, the, the, some of the receivers that they're going to be facing this year, it's legit. Darius Slay is going to be tested, and it's good to have that legit finally number one corner for the first time since possibly Asante Samuel. Yeah, really, it opens it up for the defense because you can, like you said, you can bring some more blitz packages. You can, you don't have to worry about that. That basically, that side of the field, you don't have to worry about having the safety over top of Slay because Slay will be like, "Nah, get out of my face." He's got that side on lockdown. That opens up another couple of players who can roam the field, have their eyes out watching the quarterback and seeing the play happen. And that's really good. That's something that we haven't really gotten in a few years in Philadelphia. Um, but again, this is where an offseason would have been huge to have. Uh, having seeing what what Jalen Mills can bring, Kevon Wallace, Will Parks, seeing if there's that flexibility of moving a Douglas or a Maddox to the safety position on and off. Like without training camp, we we miss seeing a lot of that, and and it's going to take a few weeks of adjusting and and seeing what what we have in certain players in certain situations in the game and stuff. So I mean, it, it's kind of disappointing that we don't get to see that offseason that we generally would get to see, and you see these players working out though the ball and whatever but it's just not the same it's not an an in-game type of situation and with the rest of the preseason potentially being ruled out things could be 
they, that could make things even crazier because then for the first four weeks of the season, I think you see some sloppy football and you see generally some, you're going to see a lot of what you'd see in the preseason, shifting players in, shifting players out, testing a player here, testing a player there. So then it'll make like from week eight on all the more important. I think this season's going to be so interesting, especially if we lose the preseason and all you have is like a couple weeks of training camp in in a little bubble and then you go right into the season. I think it becomes extremely interesting. But I do think we the the depth of talent that we have on the defensive side of the ball is some is unlike what we've ever seen in the last three or four years. And it suddenly makes things really interesting. And suddenly you're sitting there and you're like, well, I could see this happen. Like kind of what we're seeing today. I could see this. I could see that. This could work. This could work. We have so much flexibility and so much depth that I think we've really done uh, done wonders for for Jim Schwartz. Yeah, and again, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up again. The continuity. If if there's not going to be a preseason, if there's going to be abbreviated um, camp, like majority of the team is back. The same coaching staff is back. You know the expectations coming in. While there may be a wrinkle here and there on the offense because they brought in Scangarella and Marty Morningwag and whatnot, and you know, they brought in um, Emmanuel to be the new the new secondary coach. Like, while they brought in a couple of new faces, the scheme is still the same. Like, you know what the expectations are. You, you know what you're supposed to do. So go out there and do it. And you're not sitting there learning an entirely new offense, an entirely new defense, an entirely new scheme. Um, and, and you know what your expectations are. Carson Wentz has had the opportunity to throw to some of the receivers, even some of the young guys getting together um, over the summer. So I think – that's where, again, where the Eagles are going to have the heads up, the, the, the leg up over the Cowboys, Washington, and the Giants. Definitely. I completely agree. I don't think that there's any other defense in this division that compares to the Eagles. And, I mean, I think you'd be actually pretty hard-pressed to find some some defenses throughout the entire league who can compare in, in flexibility and depth to this Eagles defense. And it's something that I can actually speak fairly highly of and fairly proudly of where usually I'm like, Oh, the linebackers, Oh, the end. I'm, I'm still like that on the line. Some of the ends. And it's like, Oh, the safeties, Oh, the corners. I mean, you always had Malcolm Jenkins there, but then the Rodney McLeod injury came up and you're like, Oh, look at that. What's what we're putting on the field but this year. I can say like, if Rodney McLeod went down, I'm okay with the safeties. If, I'm 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 pretty okay with it. I think I think I'd have to see them in game action. I think we have to see what Kevon Wallace says and what Will Parks brings and stuff. But I feel more comfortable than I have in years past than throwing out what Corey Graham or whatever whatever we have as a backup safety that year on the one year prove it the the one year veterans minimum deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so um I'm with you. I do like the talent that the Eagles have. Um they just have to put it together and stay healthy. We already had the Brandon Brooks injury. I don't need any other injury, which we're going to see this year because of like not having a full off season, having a truncated uh, camp, probably going right into the regular season. There's going to be injuries. Let's just hope they're not catastrophic injuries like we face. We have to have a season. Not going. We have to have a season where we get lucky one of these one of these years. We've just been getting killed with injuries uh, lately. Mm. So. So we'll see. Hopefully some big news comes out, whether it's a it's a move by the Eagles or whether it's news about, you know, the, the NFL and the NFLPA are trying to hash out details and, and, and getting back to, to work and getting into training camp. So hopefully we'll have something that we'll be able to talk about within the next week or two so we can bring another episode to everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at the Kelly Green Hour. 
Um, you can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10, Connor T-E-N, and follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell54. As always, listen, rate, review, let us know how we're doing. Uh, we can be reached, uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcast. Uh, we're else everywhere, right? We're, we're everywhere now, right? Pretty much oh. everywhere, yep. Yeah, so just listen to us, let us know how we're doing. Um, if there's a, a topic you want us to talk about, if you have any questions, we'll do a, que- a Q&A. Uh, ask us whatever you want, uh, whether about football, fantasy football, college, Connor will be all over that. Uh, about the Eagles, the NFL, college football, it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour.